Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the podcast of Kickstarter, the crowdfunding website. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, June 17, 2013. On this day in history, in 1885, the Statue of Liberty, a gift from France, arrived in New York Harbor. Now, how can you top that? Hi, my name is Vito. I'm product designer and engineer. Today, I would like to show you my invention, which is a concept of flying car. What's your I device called? B. B. Just B, okay. Just B. Just B. It's supposed to be VTech, coming from my name as a oh, B Tech, as a B technology. I think that would be easier to find on the Google. I wanted to keep the name B as you know, as the B E E. But the problem was when I've done the logo, when I've done the project, obviously at the school I don't have to do any research about rights and names of everything. Right. So after all this work, I noticed that the bee is taken as the animal bee. So I said, okay, I've got the logo with the little bee belly and everything, so I'll just keep it like that. All right. you know? And it was too late for, to, to change it because I had one week to secure my patent. It's a long story, really. Batoli, welcome to the show. And could you tell me about this car? What makes it fly? So it's got four brushless motors on each of the arm, which power the propeller. By varying the different RPM, it stays in the air, it levels itself. It resembles very much the quadcopter in the air. On the ground, it's very novel. It's got the hubless wheels. It's got the motor, also brushless motor, powering the rear axis. And on the front, it's got the Ackerman geometry, like in normal cars, for giving the direction. When you take off, do you need a lot of space, like a, a long runway or anything, or can no, it just no, cover? No, no. I can take off in my room. In the, I can even do this on the Skype in the square section, two by two. Um, you can take off vertically from uh, from stationary when the bee is stationary. It just stays on the ground. You just accelerate a bit of the um, propellers. You add a bit of throttle. Takes off. It's got internal microchip which keeps the stability, so it takes away all the hard work of the controlling. So basically, be in the air, waits for your commands, and then it navigates. It's very, very easy to fly. I mean, everybody could fly this in 10 minutes practice. It's almost like a James Bond type of vehicle. Yes, I hope, I hope. Because you know what, wheels, I had this argument with one of my teachers, he said, you know, locomotion is all about wheels, train, planes, everything, and the nature never invented the wheel. And he was very wrong. I've done some research on the wheels, and I found a very ancient bacteria, which is 4 billion years old, and it's called Bacterium flagella. It's got electric motor, which is designed and made of 36 components, and this bacteria spins the propeller 100,000 RPM at efficiency close to 100%. So all the scientists now, they're thinking about reviewing the Darwin's theory, because how this Asian bacteria, the first bacteria on the, on the earth, could be so advanced, you know? So nature invented the wheel way, way before us. You didn't discover this, but you found this in your research. Yeah, animals, like I said, right. all animals. But, but my question is, why didn't your other colleagues already know this information? Why were they telling you that it was not possible when the empirical data was already there that you found? You know, the biggest problem in my life, in general, in apparently in your life, or on the streets, or among the drivers, are the people with no imagination. You know, there is a lot of people great with the mathematics, computers, and so on, but they can just 
test stuff, they can produce a report, and they don't even try to think out of that. I think that the key is all about the creativity, because I was doing the engineering work as well, and many times I got myself, once you've got the problem, you try very hard to solve this engineering problem. And you try to so hard, it occupies all your time, all your attention. So each time I, I was doing that, I was making step back and saying, wait a second, why am I spending one week trying to do the transition? Is there any better way to do this? And again, and again. So I sketched about 45, 50 ideas right. before I get to this design. I didn't sketch straight, you know, propeller being inside the wheel, and this is amazing. I created many ideas, with the, which some of them you can see on the market, some of them maybe we're going to see in the future. There were Some of them were complex, some of them were too heavy, some of them were too expensive. My budget was just £250 at the time right. to finish my final year project. So I went for something, like I said, simple. I had some components around. I had some experience with the flying objects. So I assembled all together, and there it is. What would you like to say to those people who backed you so far? What I did on the Kickstarter, actually, first of all, I'm not making much profit from it because B, on the retail market, going to be much more expensive. It's a very sophisticated system. So as the way to say thank you to normal people, those who are working for five an hour, and to save them somehow money and, you know, to, to return the favor, I'm not taking much of the profit. B, sold at the very discounted price, that's first of all. And second of all, thank you for sharing the dream because it's all about, it's not me being smart and designing. Those people who see the future in there, who see the intelligent design, that's because they've got the same creativity and the same frequency. I was the one who actually expressed this first, but those people are with me with this dream, I would say like that. Vitolia, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show, man, and sharing your dream with DJ Grandpa's crib. Thank you very much as well. It's a pleasure, really a pleasure. Hey everybody, I'm Gabe Durham and I'm a writer and editor from Los Angeles, California. And I'm Ken Bauman, I'm an actor, writer, and publisher living in LA. I'd like to welcome Gabe Durham to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Now, could you tell me a little bit about Boss Fight Books? We're a new series of books run uh, and edited by me and my uh, collaborator is uh, Ken Bauman, who's uh, the series designer who's made all the books, covers, and he's also the author of what's uh, going to be our first book, uh, Earthbound. And he's the shorter guy in, the, in your Kickstarter video, right? He's the shorter guy in the video, that's it. The series is a pretty simple idea that kind of came to me when I was reading another book about video games. I liked the book I was reading, but it was about the entire history of Nintendo, and I thought, you know, what if it would slow down a little bit and just tell me about a single video game? And my frame of reference was this series of books that Bloomsbury Academic put about, you know, the 33 and the 3rd, uh, which is a really cool series about, you know, individual albums. And for people who are, you know, music nerds like myself, you know, you can really just enjoy discovering so much about an album by reading one of those books. And when I searched for it, I was just very surprised to find that that did not exist yet for video games. And I thought it should, so it might as well be me who does it. That sounds like a pretty cool idea, actually. And when DJ Grandpa was a young lad, and I was in music school, sort of, kind of, one of my music teachers told me one of the quickest ways to create something is to come up with something that nobody has to get to that territory first. And so that's what you did yeah. with Boss Fight Books. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't think you can really, like, ask 
for more of yourself in the arts than just kind of trying to create the thing you want to see in the world, right? So Okay, now, do I have it right? You're on some sort of book tour now promoting the whole thing, trying to get the word out about your Kickstarter and, you know, your fledgling company? The tour uh, that I'm on right now is planned before we even had our time frame for the Kickstarter going. So it's actually just been kind of a nice combination of a couple things. Um, my first book that I wrote just came out, which is called Fun Camp. It's about a, a novel, kind of in monologues and notes that a week at a strange summer camp called Fun Camp. And my good friend, Jack Christian, he just had his first book come out, which is a book of poems called Family System. And we thought it would just be a really good time to, uh, you know, enjoy about a week and a half of the summer to uh, schedule ourselves some readings in different cities and, uh, you know, sell some books and, and have a good time. Is it self-published or through a major publisher, these books of... Um, it's it's not through a major publisher, but it's through uh, an independent press um, called Publishing Genius. Oh, okay. Out of Baltimore, and uh, so the main guy who runs the press, Adam, I just got to meet up with him in Baltimore on the trip uh, a couple nights ago, which is a really fun time. It's kind of just nicely coincided with the Boss by Boss promotion. I also in Boston, I got to meet up uh, with a guy named John Irwin, who's a writer I really respect, but had not met in person before, and he's writing one of our titles, which is the book on Super Mario Brothers 2. I wish I had that one. Yeah, is that the one you do? That's the one I'd want. Or Space Invaders or something, but that's all right. Oh, really? Are you a Galaga man? Oh, I love Galaga, man. I used to play that in bus stations all the time when I was traveling. Yeah, I think people who remember it best, I mean, it's been on just about every system, but it's the arcade classic that really put it on the map right that game was so cool man yeah okay now one other question you're boss fight publishing you guys are out of california los angeles right that's right and you're on a book tour so if i had a gps yeah. lock on you or something like that where are you right now on your tour <laughs> yes jack are we in maryland yet we're, we're in maryland as we speak All right. we're heading down the highway i think it's amazing that you're telling me you just put out your first book but yet you guys are turned into publishers. I mean, how does that happen? <laughs> I know, yeah, it's, it's kind of a range of situation right now. It's just kind of been been a big time. I mean, with my book, honestly, you know, I did, uh, I had a, a, you know, decent working draft of it, contracted with a publisher as long ago as two years. And so just been looking forward to this thing for a long time. And, you know, you write and you edit, and it was time for a new project. So uh, that's what Bossfight became. But uh, it's pretty fun to have it all going on at once, honestly. I mean, just kind of getting to roll with it and have multiple irons in the fire. And, you know, as you probably know, I mean, it, it's pretty different to be the, the editor or, like, the, the guy kind of running the show on something and being, being a writer. And so it's kind of... It serves different purposes, and it's got different creative juices. So I wish you guys the best, man. Is there anything that I that you didn't get to say before I go, you know, before we wave goodbye and all of that? The only reason that uh, all this stuff with Boss Fight is happening is because people are taking a chance on us and saying that this is something that they want to see, too. And I just really, really appreciate uh, everybody who has already backed the project or helped us spread the word or is just, you know, looking forward to checking it out when it comes out. So... So thanks so much for, for talking with me. Ah, no problem, man. I really appreciate you coming on the crib, and hopefully your guy right there is watching the road. I don't want you driving and talking at the same time, you know. Yeah, luckily it's my it's my buddy driving, so not breaking any laws right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, for anyone out there in the range of my voice, anyone who's downloaded this podcast, check out Boss Fight Books. Go to kickstarter.com, yeah. type in B-O-S-S. It'll come up. You see two gentlemen, one with a, they both have present haircuts, you know, in style, but one has a snazzy or one more L.A.-ish haircut than the other. So, you know, that's how, so that's how you'll recognize it. Yeah, I'm the boring one. That's all I'm right. not going to say you're boring. <laughs> I just said one has an L.A. haircut and one does not. It's <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, so here's what we're doing. The 23rd of November, 2013, is... The Doctor Who 50th anniversary. 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, the greatest show ever in the history of mankind. What should I introduce you and your silent partner as? I, you know, that's a really good question. I don't know. We're uh, Robert and Alex Doyle. Um, we're the uh, the Doctor Who fans that, that wanted to put a TARDIS in space, I guess. I don't know how else to introduce us. I also see that, to me, that's something that's interesting, is that there have been like a whole slew of Kickstarter TARDIS projects. There have been a lot of little um, little things. If, if you if you check on there, there's things where uh, people are tying a little model TARDIS to a weather balloon and things like that. It's a, um, the fan base for the show, they're very dedicated to the show, and they're always looking for some kind of a cool, different, new thing that they can do. And Kickstarter provides a great platform for that because, you know, like in the case of our project, this is something that, it's really not likely that anybody would be able to do something like this on their own. It's it's kind of a ridiculous thing to think about doing on your own. But right. if you've got access to tens or even hundreds of thousands of people who are fans of the show and who just think that it's a cool idea to have a TARDIS in orbit, you only need a few dollars from each person to make that happen. Are there any laws about, like, would they consider this just space junk? I mean, are there any, <laughs> any treaties or any laws that just about just shipping stuff into space? That's one of the, probably, I would say, the most frequently asked question that we've had is, you know, are we just contributing to space junk? And the answer to that's pretty straightforward. Um, the second most commonly asked question is, is there a chance that, you know, our little TARDIS satellite is going to hit something else up there and, and damage it, you know, the International Space Station or something like that. Oh, yeah, that'd be horrible. And because it would be so horrible, there are very, very strict regulations about what can be launched and where a satellite can be placed in orbit. Okay, now you're calling this a satellite, so before we get to the fun and games, what's the purpose of this satellite? Every satellite has a mission. We've put a, um, a, a camera on board, it will be able to uh, take pictures of the Earth uh, from space, and it uh, has a, um, a radio and antenna system that will be able to transmit those signals back to the Earth. Um, but the main goal of what we wanted to do really um, was to just do something that for the fan base of the show, Doctor Who, because this is the 50th anniversary of that show, something that they could get, you know, kind of excited about and just know that, hey, there's 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 a piece of, you know, an iconic uh, uh, image from that show that's actually in orbit around the Earth. And, and our original uh, design was just basically the little blue box with the light on top. And um, and then we thought, well, if we could do that, maybe we could actually have it do something. It could, could you know, serve some sort of function. Now, will I be able to, like, uh, turn to some sort of channel on the net and 
see my little satellite, you know, Doctor Who-ish satellite floating around or something, or just passing the space station. Or Once the Kickstarter campaign ends, we'll be launching a website that will have the exact orbital track of the satellite. So you'll be able to go there and you'll be able to see, okay, here's where the satellite is. This is what it would be passing over and, and so on. And also on that website will be images that uh, we've received from the satellite. We don't have the systems in place and, and it would be really uh, ridiculously expensive to have systems in place that would allow you to directly access the satellite uh, via the right. web, something like that. But what we do have is the ability to receive those signals in specific stations that are built to receive signals on that frequency, translate those images or those signals back into the images, and then we can post those images on the website. In addition to that, people who have backed the project, one of the rewards for backing the project is you get to put your name or a, a message or photos or video or, or anything else that you would like to put inside the memory of the little satellite. Are you just totally, you know, kind of bouncing off the walls that you've actually achieved this? We really believe that there were enough fans out there that if they heard about something like this, they would want to be a part of it. We just didn't know if we could reach those fans. Right. And for the first few days of the program, we were getting sort of trickling in, you know, a backer here or there that wanted to help out. Uh, and then it kind of took off, you know, it, it it got picked up on some different websites and it got picked up on Facebook and on Tumblr. And from there, our little chart that tracks our backers just spiked. It just started going almost straight up. Uh, and at that point, we realized that, uh, you know, this could actually happen. It it, it might really happen. Um, but we're sort of in shock still at this point. I would believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I would believe that. I mean, it's shocking to me that Doctor Who has been on for 50 years. I mean, that's what's shocking to me. I guess it's also shocking that it's older than Star Trek, and I just don't really want to believe that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's sort of funny because uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the technology, the things that you see in Star Trek that we kind of attribute to Star Trek, like the uh, like the transporter, right. um, was done by Doctor Who before Star Trek came out. Um, yeah, I don't want to hear that though. Yeah, I, I know, know. No one does. Let, let's pretend that that didn't happen. <laughs> okay, but but go ahead. Keep keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, it, it is pretty impressive that a show like that, and if you ever see any of the really, really old episodes of Doctor Who... Oh, I've um, seen them. The special effects are horrible. You know, the budget was, was so small. But I, I really feel like that forced the writers and the producers to focus instead on developing the characters and on finding interesting storylines. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've hung on for as long as they have and one of the reasons why the show's back and is really right now the strongest of the science fiction franchises right now. Your daughter's in the background, quiet. Isn't yeah, she, she is here. She's been quiet. She's letting me ramble. But yeah, uh, but yeah she's right here. Your silent partner. Okay, I yeah. got you. Not so silent sometimes. Not in the video, but what's her name again? Alex. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I want to say hello to you, and you know you do the silent partner role very well. <laughs> for anyone out there who's a Doctor Who fan or who is jealous because Doctor Who has been on longer than Star Trek, which I am a little bit, I must admit, <laughs> go to kickstarter.com and type in TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S. It'll pull up like 20 TARDISes, but it's the one that's currently going on right now, and it seems to be the most successful one in history on Kickstarter. And if you can't find it there... Go to djgrandpa.com and we'll always have links, especially to Doctor Who and Doctor Who-ish type projects. 
because we want to help celebrate the birthday too, even though I must admit I am a little jealous and don't want to share with Star Trek. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. Well, DJ Grandpa, thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure. Hi, this is Dave. And this is Ronan. And we are the lead guitarist and lead singer of Time Crash. Together with our three other members, Chris, Mike, and Andy, we are America's first truck band. So I'm speaking to Ronan and Chris, Time Crash, and they're on Kickstarter. Well, how would you describe your music? What type of band? First and foremost, we're a truck band. So that's rock with a T on the front, and that uh, stands for Time Lord Rock. So primarily our focus is writing songs based around Doctor Who, about the characters and the themes and all of that. Stylistically, we've borrowed from a lot of different sources. So you, you guys are just seriously wrapped up in the Doctor Who. Oh yeah, all started was I'm a songwriter I, I've written all the lyrics for the band but there was a time a couple of years ago when I was trying to write a lot of my solo stuff and I was so into the show just everything about it I felt like if I was writing original songs they would all secretly be about Doctor Who in some way I knew about bands like Harry and the Potters who write songs about Harry Potter and uh, Chameleon Circuit, which is another truck band over the pond in the UK. I sort of thought, well, why, why can't I do that? So I put out a call on Facebook, and uh, Dave Kitzberg was the first to hop on board, and we gathered everybody up from there. So you're not the first, but you're still like a gaining momentum of musicians that just follow Doctor Who. As far as I know, we're the first to do this in America formally with the full-on focus rather than just being like oh let's do a song about Doctor Who this is the entire show wow and you have like 50 years of material to choose from we're all of us still uh, in the midst of our Doctor Who education you should say just before this we were hanging out Chris and I and you hadn't barely seen any before I'd seen one episode when Dave called me up and asked me to build the guitar and I had to ask him what is a TARDIS right and now he's seen more classic episodes than I have what is a guitarist? Because that's one of my questions. It's the, the Doctor's spaceship time machine. Time and relative dimension in space. Right. And uh, Dave wanted me to build him a guitar for this band that's shaped like, like the TARDIS. So it's basically a blue box that says police box, public call on the front of it, like a phone booth. So when we built a, we designed the guitar around it, and I said, oh, okay, I should start watching some episodes to get a feel for what this thing looks like. And then next thing you know, I was having lunch with Dave and asking him, hey, do you need a bass player in the band? He's like, no, we got one of those. Hey, do you need a guitarist in the band? No, we got two of those. Do you need a steel guitar? No, yeah, sure. We didn't know it, but we did. <laughs> I hear you have a special reward, though, for people who kind of want to just be wrapped up in their own guitars. Yes, indeed. Um, we actually, we have two guitarists available. And they're custom made. When I'm not playing with Time Crash, I have a little company called Rice Custom Guitars. And my dad and I hand make guitars out here near Chicago. And so we've donated our services to build two guitar discs 
for the band. If someone goes for them on, on the Kickstarter and will build it and make it to what the contributor wants. So it's their own guitarist, not a copy of Dave's, unless that's what they want. Halfway through the Kickstarter, we set our stretch goals. If we happen to get to $9,000, we're going to have a release party for the album, and we will also raffle off a guitarist at the party. I like that. I like that. I saw that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So you played a steel guitar, and you are the creator, the builder of the guitarist. Huh. I like to say he's a musical wizard. <laughs> it would be better if we were a Harry Potter fan. Yeah. Well, the doctor gets called a wizard sometimes. <laughs> that works. But no, when we're on stage, he's got like a dozen pedals hooked up to his, his steel guitar and creating these just wild sounds. How has it been on Kickstarter? It's been really good. I know that the staff picked us. We, we got put on uh, staff picks for music on our first day or so, which was really, really excellent. Um, it was a great show of faith from Kickstarter itself. We've been getting a lot of our traffic through Facebook and getting people who discover the Kickstarter and then come back to our Facebook. So it's been a really good, it's been a really good thing for us. Now being a truck band, being the, the nation's, the United States of America's first truck band, I mean, do you bring the weirdos out though, sort of kind of? Cause you know the the whole Doctor Who f fanaticism. I'd say I'd say we get uh, we get the good weirdos. Certainly, we've had people come to our shows in costume. And we kind of are the weirdos. Also true. <laughs> We're the ones playing the Doctor Who music. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to perform in costume someday. That will happen. Yes. I believe you guys, especially after seeing the video. <laughs> I just wanted to say for anyone out there listening. Go to kickstarter.com and check out Ronan and Chris and their truck band, Time Crash. I don't know how to say this, but it's a very interesting video. It's very energetic, and it's not long, so that's way cool. Some people kind of go on long with Kickstarter. So this one's cool, it's short, and uh, thank you guys for coming on the show and truck on. Truck on. Excellent. Ago, Swami decided to abandon the monotony of the life of a software engineer and packed his bags and hoped to explore the world. Swami founded Cozy Layers shortly after his summit of Denali with the hope that he would bring his design and travel adventures. Right, uh, Schuller, who makes these fabrics and uh, oh, they, okay. they make the lightest uh, downproof material. It's, yeah, I'm uh, looking at it. What uh, colors are? It's uh, orange. Uh, oh, that's very bright. It's man. very bright. It's a yeah, unique yeah, color. Yeah. I haven't seen it, and the, yeah. the the feel on it is really smooth. Yeah, let me let me touch it a sec. How are you, Swami? Yeah, Pretty good, thank you. Good to see you there. Good, good to, to meet you me. there. Good to meet you. Yeah. Now, okay. I hear you have this this environmental jacket called the uh, Cozy. It's a system of four layers. Um, the outer shell for protection against snow and uh, rain and water, and then the down for uh, goose down feather jackets for right. uh, the cold, and then the fleece, and then we have the base layer made of merino wool. I'm not asking you to brag about your survival gear, not at all. I'm not asking you to give me a hard sell or a pitch or soft sell. All I'm asking is. 
do you believe your gear made the difference? You know, I truly believe it helped me as a diabetic to keep drinking water continuously and be okay. able to eat continuously and uh, be able to put my hands in and keep them warm. Right. And uh, one of the problems I found was... Uh, that the big bulky gloves that you have, it's really hard to um, adjust the crampons or use ice axes. Right. And so having a place to put your hands in right after you work with an ice axe or with a right. uh, crampon helped me quite a bit. Uh, I and, can understand. Uh, I think it was a huge advantage for me right. to be able to deal with the cold and uh, to be able to have nutrition going into my body all the time to have the energy keep your stamina keep my stamina yeah. up. I watched your Kickstarter video and it said that you, you, you were in the IT industry or? yeah I used to work for Verisign uh, um, I was a software tester for a while and then I worked for a small company until uh, the end of 2011 and then I quit my job to go mountaineering <laughs> that is something that's totally common to kickstarter people just seem to quit their jobs and go after their dreams a lot of quitters <laughs> yeah it's the weirdest phenomenon to me is that how you thought of the cozy you know like trying to endure the elements to do mountain climbing and stuff like that I didn't quit my job to start a different company. It just happened that way. Well, when I got, got up to Aconcagua, um, I almost got frostbitten. What happened was I'd taken my gloves off, right. and I was adjusting my crampons that came off. These are spikes on my shoes. Once I adjusted them, I couldn't put my hand back in the glove Ooh. because it was uh, my glove was singed and my hand was frozen enough to right. not to be unsinged. So all I could do to myself from uh, freezing was put my hands under my armpits for a while and luckily it wasn't too bad and I was able to put my uh, hands back in the glove um, but you know that made me get a, uh, a little bit scared and I wanted to keep on monitoring I didn't want to right. quit this I started thinking about how I could prevent it the problem with the gloves were you know when I couldn't open them up when I could and I always seem to be misplacing them. I would put the gloves down to adjust my crampon, and you know, right. I was searching around for them. So I thought if I could put my hands through all my layers to my core, I wouldn't need to look for gloves, and the openings are pretty large if you had them on this side. And that would right. help prevent uh, any frostbite. That's why the system has... They have those zippers on each layer about at the same spot. You yeah, know, exactly. Near your... Was it near your torso or something like that? Yeah, they have uh, zippers um, up here, and also there's uh, armpit zippers that go all the way down. One reason is to relieve uh, some of that heat, uh, heat out if you're getting too hot. Uh, gotcha. The other is also to, if you need a wider opening to put your hand in, you could put in. Right. Uh, the ones here, they're for a direct water bottle to go straight down in, and right. you can pull them up. Um, it's a little bit easier to have the water bottle go down instead of putting your hands in okay. uh, through the side. But putting the hands through the side and through your armpits is more convenient, so we have two openings. Now, have you tested this out in the field? Have you gone mountain climbing since you come up with your prototypes and all of that and how has it worked out so last year in, in june i um, i took uh, my uh, altered uh, proof of concept garments um, 
to Denali uh, or McKinley, the highest mountain in North America. Right. So I had the system on me. I made the summit solo, and the water was uh, liquid all the time. I was drinking constantly. So the proof of concept worked. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we're going to do another test in Kyrgyzstan. You don't look that tough, man. No, I'm not tough. tough. I'm not tough. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. look that tough. I'm, this, so, <laughs> well, this is the interesting story on both Aconcagua and Denali. Um, right. Not a lot of people go by themselves. They go with guides. But uh, right. I, I don't have a lot of money. So I, I ended up at the trailhead by myself. There were uh, three other people who were going alone, unguided, and we kind of formed a bomb, you know, saying we'll look after each other. And the other three guys are tougher than me, and I mean, they're faster, they're bigger. (laughs) Right. The short story is the other three guys didn't make it. You used your, you know, survival weather system when you went on this new journey. In on Denali, yes. On Denali. Yes. Did your hands freeze? Did you get exceptionally cold? Was your water frozen? Was your food frozen? No, I mean, no. Tell me the story. How no. did it work? <laughs> it worked great. And it helped me, uh, at least, I mean, w- one of the uh, things needed for uh, climbing mountains is dealing with the cold. Right. The system helped me deal with the cold. Right. So it was a big uh, advantage for me to climbing it. Okay. The other, of course, is yourself. You have to pace yourself. Is the experience. Right. Uh, and they go hand in hand. You, you have to have both a system that will keep you warm and uh, uh, reduce the weight that you have to carry with you. Right. Now, for anyone out there, you know, you might not be lifting two to 300 pounds. You may not be able to be a triathlon man, but you want to be cozy. When you do extreme weather activities, go to kickstarter.com, type in Cozy, C-O-Z-Y. 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 It'll pull up his page. You'll see a very handsome guy there in a coat who also doubles as the intern. (laughs) And and check out the video and check out the offerings on the bottom right, all of his rewards. And we wish Swami the best. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. You're a great salesperson. We try our best sometimes, man. We try our best. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better than you did. <laughs> and it was freestyle. No copy. No copy, exactly, yeah. This week on The Poetry Crew, we have Theron Kennedy. He's back. The father, the poet, the author, and the teacher. All right, Theron. It's been a while. I'm back. I'm ready. I'm rejuvenated. Well, what do you got for us this week, man? What's the title? It's called The Awakening. Okay. To know her is like deja vu. Discovering for the first time what I already knew. She is a butterfly breaking her cocoon. She is a gunfight at high noon. She is a poet longing for a muse, a muse adored by many a recluse. Insatiable desire, a sunrise bursting from within to manifest passions on feverish skin. A queen cat drawn to her natural prowl, revealing like fresh from a shower in nothing but a towel, yet never fully vulnerable nor overexposed only trying to become one with the goddess within she instinctively knows. I feel the love, man. I feel the love. 
I'd like to thank all our guests this week. I'd also like to thank our listeners. We couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music for DJ Grandpa's Crib. Thanks to Theron Kennedy, our director of marketing. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's Crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is AF Rupert.